This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. I hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing weekend. I want to have a jam-packed show for you today. I want to talk to you about a lot of things. I want to, I want to talk to you about D-Day. I want to talk to you about Ronald Reagan. I want to talk to you about America today. But before we get to the the real heavy hitting stuff and remembering history, I want to talk to you, have a good honest conversation with you about one of the problems I see in America today. And that is a problem with the right. You know, I'm on public record for quite a while through podcasts, through videos, through writing, through social media. I've been around since my first election, as I've always said, was Bush versus Gore. So I've got a 15 or 16 year track record. This is not just an opinion that has just hit me. This is an opinion I've tried to behind the scenes work to fix. If there is one thing the right really sucks at, it's uniting and helping each other. The right has all the right principles, but when it comes to that human touch, to rally behind each other, it never really happens. You look at the left. Any time they're attacked, they herd together and they defend as one. Now, I'm not saying embrace their tactics because they will defend anything. Even when they're wrong, 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 they'll still defend. But on the right, we just leave people out to hang to dry. I want to talk today about something that quite honestly I was shocked at. It's old news by now, but I wanted to address it because others haven't. And if you have, I apologize, I just haven't heard it. My boss, Glenn Beck, last week was suspended by Sirius XM. First of all, here's a piece of advice. If you're going to attack someone, I'm trying to pick, choose my words carefully here. If you're going to attack someone because they don't share your beliefs, at least try and be smart and cover up your tracks. Don't announce that suspension on the Breitbart radio show. But then again, who really cares, right? You know, we can be all politically motivated and and no one really cares. The amount of times I saw on social media, I'm glad Glenn Beck got suspended. I don't like him. I don't like his views. Huh. That's what it matters, is it? 
Is that what we've become? I don't like Glenn anymore. He won't support Trump. He's gonna he's gonna cast Trump the election, and it's all gonna be on Glenn Beck because Hillary is gonna win. Is this is what we have become? Let me tell you why I don't care who you support for president. You should have supported Glenn Beck last week. Because this suspension, in my eyes, it wasn't a shot at Glenn Beck. It really wasn't. Glenn was on vacation. It wasn't aimed at Glenn at all. It was a symbol. It was a message. It was a message to the smaller guys. That says... Glenn Beck is one of our top, if not the top, rated show on Sirius. We're willing to suspend him for what one of his guests allegedly said, which he didn't, allegedly said on his show. What do you think we're going to do to you? You better stay in line. You better not say anything controversial. You better watch who you hang out with. Because if we're willing to suspend Glenn Beck, we'll drop you like a hot potato. Now again, I know we're all in election cycle and we're all, I just want Trump to win. I just want, I just want, I just want. You know the funny thing about principles? They should be consistent. Principles don't go on hold because you just want Trump to win, or you just want Cruz to win, or you just want Hillary to win. Because I'm going to be quite blunt. If that is the way you feel about principles, well then go embrace the left. Because they'll join you all day long. One of the things that used to separate left from right, not just their ideologies, but their maintaining of principles. You know, it's the left who believes in the mantra of, well, John, the ends justify the means. If shutting Glenn Beck up for a week gets Trump elected, I'm all right with that. that that's not the right position, traditionally. Maybe it is today. But that's the left's position. Remember last week we spoke about the Constitution. And I said, hey, you know, the Constitution is has lost this battle, not because of politicians, not because of who's in the White House, not because of the Supreme Court, but because of our children. How many people can tell me how many protections are in the First Amendment? Don't name them, just tell me how many there are. This attack on Glenn Beck, while it isn't a First Amendment violation because it's not from the government, it's from a private entity, it attacks the spirit of the First Amendment and two of the protections in it. It protects the spirit of free speech. Do we really actually believe in free speech anymore? The amount of people on the right who I speak with, I'm glad Glenn Beck got shut up. I'm like, dude, or if it's a girl, whatever, her. I'm like, I don't even want Hillary Clinton to be shut up. 
And she's on the exact opposite. I don't agree with one thing Hillary Clinton says. Do you believe in free speech? And here's a hint. Free speech doesn't have a little asterisk beside it going, yeah, I believe in free speech, but there is no but. It's I believe in free speech. And the other spirit it attacked in the First Amendment was freedom of association. You know, there are plenty of shows out there. Glenn goes through different periods where he has a lot of guests. But there are other shows who pretty much are guest orientated. They give you a short, quick monologue and then it's pretty much pure guests. I'm not just talking about The Blaze, now I'm talking about talk radio. Are you really going to have to vet people? Can you imagine what's going to happen to those shows? Well, I, I don't know. He might, he, that person, our guest, might say something. And we might be shut down. Again, another mantra of the left. Do we really want safe zones? Well, my show has to be totally, totally free. You know, it can't say anything controversial. Now, for all those who are caught up in the election, going to say, I don't see this as a big deal. Let me tell you why I see this as a big deal. Today, it might be Brad Thor and, you know, talking about fantasies about an evil dictator. But down the road, if you set this precedent, it might be, I don't know. <gasps> John said, Jesus Christ, we have to shut him up. Don't think that will happen. Google the story about Jerry Boinkin and how they've stopped him going to the National Prayer Breakfast. The guy who helped create Delta Force. This enemy, you know, Abraham Lincoln once famously said, we will never be defend defeated by an enemy outside. It's the enemy from within that will destroy America. Maybe he's right. These are the actions of people on the quote-unquote right who are so blinded by their candidates that they'll do just about anything to win. It seems many on the right today have embraced Solinsky. Tell the big lie. The ends justify the means. On this issue, I'm going to share one last thought about this issue and why it's troubling. It's potentially the first, the, the, the thing I will remember when the Constitution is dead, if it ever gets to that horrible, horrific day. Because when you serve in the military, when you take an oath of office, you generally have to say a variation of these words. I will preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. If you get to a point where you can have an evil dictator like a Stalin or a Mao in charge, and they suspend the Constitution, and you think that's, it's a radical idea to take them out, then what part of your oath meant anything? 
Now I know we live in a world where people take the ropes all day long. All those schmucks in Congress every two years put their hand on a Bible going, yeah, I'll, I'll defend and protect and preserve and any other adjectives you want to add in there for the Constitution. And then I would just stand idly by and go, oh, the president said he's got a pen and he's got a phone, but I'm okay with that. Oh, sure, if there's a camera around me, I'll huff and I'll puff. But when it comes to doing anything, nah, I'm going to do nothing. I know oats mean nothing today. But maybe that's a problem with us and not a problem with them. Lastly, I want to address something. and He can speak for himself. But I want to address just something about Glenn that I see online a lot. And it's generally coming from the right. I see people who, Glenn's a loser. Glenn's a sellout. He's a rhino in disguise. He's really a closet liberal. He's a Mormon cultist. Glenn Beck's a hater. I always laugh. You know, first and foremost, before Glenn is my boss, he's, before he's anything, he's my brother in Christ, but also I was a fan before I started doing this show, before I got my connection with the Blaze. I was a fan of Glenn and I was a fan of the Blaze because they are so critical to the rights movement in America. But here's one reason that Glenn is not a hater. He hasn't sold out. That means so much to people like me. It would have been so easy to get on board that train a couple of months ago, three, four months ago. Said I was wrong, let's get on the board the train. He hasn't. He's battle tested, he's ready. I'm very privileged to actually have spent one on one time with him alone for several hours. I know his heart. He's a good guy. And he knows so much about history. And not just about American history, like the, the Revolution and the Civil War, but just about America, the history of your people. But you know, for Glenn been a hater and a loser and a rhino sellout, he's done something that I think is incredible. He, he could have just been easy and said, hey, I'm Glenn Beck. I have this successful radio show. It's three hours, nine to noon Eastern. I have this TV show on Fox. I just rake in my millions and just, you know, go with the flow. He didn't do that either. He worked hard. He invested. And he's given people a platform to share their views. And I would suggest to you, it is the most diverse platform out there. You just look at the platform of, on the Blaze, the columnists. You look at the platform on the Blaze radio. It's got male, it's got female, it's got young, it's old, big, small. It's got a rabbi, it's got a Muslim, it's got Christians, it's got sheriffs, it's got farmers, it's got Hispanics, it's got black people. And to show you how diverse and how much of a hater Glenn Beck is, He's even got a crazy Irishman. Maybe people should think about that the next time they want to call Glenn Beck a hater.
Oh, and just one other thing. One of his crowning achievements. It's his audience. It's people like you who listen. Who helped raise 12 million for the Nazarene Fund. If that's been a hater and a sellout and a loser, you sign me up right here and right now. I'm going to take a quick break, but on behalf of this show, on behalf of myself, thank you, Glenn, for being a principled and honorable guy and giving this crazy Irishman a platform. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, America. I'm sorry I had to get that off my chest. Um, I want to talk to you for the rest of this show about your history and not about cults of personality. I know many of you are feeling hurt and lost right now. You don't know what to do. I know many of you are never Trump, never Hillary. I know many of you have reservations about the libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson. And you're going, what should I do? How can I act? How can I help? I want to share an opinion with you today. That I want to share an opinion with you today that Maybe it gets you thinking about how you defend your country. Without going all liberal on you, I think it's time to openly admit something and act accordingly. And that is, there are two Americas. Now, I'm not going to say there's a rich America and there's a poor America. Or there's a, a white America and there's a colored America. Now that would be a liberal thing to do. The two Americas I think there are, and you're going to maybe laugh at this, but just bear with me. There's America, the landmass. America, the country that you know. And there's America, the idea. I know America, the landmass, has many problems right now. But I want to hit you with some facts and figures just to get you thinking about despite everything being so bad, it really isn't as bad as you might think. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember a time in your history, at any time, where so many of you had given up, 
no longer believed in the American dream, felt that no matter what you did, you would never make anything, where you felt your children had less opportunities than you had when you were growing up. Can you remember a time in your history that for those feelings and emotions, it was worse? I can't. I could probably point to 1861. But the with the 1861, there was still that hope that if you won the Civil War, which you did, that tomorrow would be a brighter future. Let me hit you with some economic numbers. And I'm not going to hit you with too many. But despite all your problems right now, America still ranks 11th and 20th in economic and human freedoms. Now, am I saying, you know, well, we're still 11th in economic freedoms. Hey, let's have a parade down Central Park going, yay, look how great we are. We're still 11th. No. But here's the thing. We have to put this into context. Think of a country like Ireland. Heck, think of a superpower, a former superpower like England going, hey, well, we're 11th and 20th in economic and human freedoms. Can you think of one politician that wouldn't be going to their people going, hey, this is progress. Look at us. And these figures are an embarrassment to America because America that I know should be number one in both. There should be no country freer than America. However, the reason I bring these figures up in this way is just to give you some context. Look at how low and how lost you feel today. Look at how bad you feel. And yes, you are still more fortunate and closer to real freedoms and real opportunity than 90% of the world. And that's at your lowest. The other thing that people don't talk about, and I'm, I'm working on a show, it's going to be a, it's going to be a while down the road because there's so much. I'm trying to make it simple. But one of the things no one ever discusses anymore is the one advantage America has that no other country can match. And that is the size of your economy. Like you look at your economic economy and look at all the problems. You've had years of slow growth under Obama and the end of George Bush. And you actually lost jobs there as well. You have the highest corporation tax in the world. You have a tax code no one can understand. Your tax code is so bad, there are accountants who do this for a living who don't submit their own tax return. And of course, you've got an overarching government which leads to excessive and burdensome legislation and regulations to which you're all forced to comply with. Yet the one major advantage you have, no one says, is you still have the largest economy in the world. And it's not even close. Let me put this into context for you of how big the American economy is. You can have the combined economies of China, of Japan, and Germany, who rank second, third, and fourth, in the biggest economies, you can combine those three economies and the U.S. economy is still bigger than it. That is how big you are. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. 
can't imagine, depending on who your childhood hero was growing up or what way you see things, imagine you have a magic wand in your hand or imagine you just went on Aladdin's tomb and you found this dusty gold little lantern and you give it a rub and a genie comes out. And you have the power and the genie says to you, I can give you one wish. And that one wish is you can swap the future of America for that of any other nation around the world. Whose future would you choose? I ask you, tweet me, let me know. I'm at Freedom Disciple. Send me a Facebook message. I would love to hear the answers of this. Because here's the thing. America is still exceptional. And why is it exceptional? Because if I was given that choice, now I'm not an American, I know. But if I was given you that choice, if I was given that choice, or I was asked advice in that choice, I would choose America. And I'm going to tell you why. Because America, at its very core, is not a political party. It's not a politician. It's not the result of some election. It's not a policy. And America is not a landmass. America at its very core is an idea and a set of principles that change the way our world works. That is why I think we need to acknowledge there are two Americas. There is America, the landmass that faces major, major issues. But you still have a solution, which I'll get to in a minute. But we also need to acknowledge America is an idea. And we need to act accordingly. And let me tell you why. Because a landmass can be defeated. A landmass can be destroyed, can be bankrupt. But America, the idea, an idea cannot be defeated by finances, by policies, by elections, by people. An idea cannot even be defeated by the strongest army ever assembled in this world. To use your language, to use terms you're familiar with, the progressive movement in both parties know this. And that is their plan. Look at how they've acted over recent years. They, What they want you to do is they slowly and consistently chip away at your principles and your way of life. They know the only way you can defeat an idea is by acting in a way that makes you the believer in that idea, in that dream, feel like you're useless, feel like you're lost, make you lose faith and hope in the idea. The one thing the progressive movement has that I wish the right had is their patience. They were willing to say it's a hundred year plan. And what they want is for you to lose so much hope in them that even the most ardent believer, the person who says, I will never stop believing, starts questioning those ideas. And eventually, you either compromise your principles, you give up, or ideally what they want is their long-term goal, 
is that you don't tell the next generation your views and your ideas and your principles and that America at its core is an idea. And look what happens, you have the result. Look at the young people today, how many truly believe America is an idea? Now, to those listening, you might be down or going, oh my God, it's over. This is where I give you some history. Because this sounds like a plausible and doable plan, right? Well, I say wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because I've got some bad news for those who want to write America's epitaph. Because you have grossly underestimated the most par powerful part of America. And it's a part I believe you will never be crushed. And that is the American spirit and the American history. Because I'm going to hit you with some truth. America is not a fairy tale. The history of America is not some fairy tale where people awoke from their trance and said, Oh, let us all be free. And you all found real freedom. And then the book closes and everyone lived happily ever after. And we all linked arms and sang Ring a Ring a Rosie, where we sang Kumbaya. And we just had peace. Nope, that's not your history. Your history, your history is that of facing major challenges and overcoming them with class, honor, dignity and principles. You're feeling hurt, lost and angry right now. Let me be very blunt. Do you think you're the first generation to feel those feelings? Do you think this is the first time the enemies of freedom have gathered around both in America and around America that says, Haha, look at that, America's over. I've got news for you or not. And why aren't you? Well, let me give you some of your history. You, each and every one of you, are the people who overcame the king and the most powerful army of the day at your founding. Do you think the founding of America was all one-sided and easy? How do you think George Washington felt when he signed up to the Continental Army and suffered defeat after defeat and had to retreat and retreat and witness his troop numbers down from about 20,000 to 2,000? Do you think he was all sunshine and roses? Do you think he felt lost? Or how about the Civil War? Because you are the people who washed your country in blood and cleansed yourself of slavery. How do you think Lincoln felt in 1861-1862 when thousands of people lost their lives? Brother were pitted against brother, father against son, and not one side was gaining any significant advantage. Do you think that was easy? You are the people who stared down Russia during the nuclear arms race, where people were throwing around terms like, oh, well, mad, mutually assured destruction. Now, I know some of you right now are pointing out the change of attitude in your people. They're going, John, people just don't understand the freedom. People don't understand their history. Yet, yeah, you do have a point. But if you think today is the only day that there have been voices from within that oppose your ideas and the principles of America, let me give you some history about the Cold War. And the reason I'm focusing on the Cold War is because it's the most recent one. 
There were people during the Cold War who said, you know what, the taunt was a positive step and let's keep going with it. Because to quote some of our friends on the left, the only way you'd win the Cold War was by accepting a form of democratic socialism. There were commentators in the media who came up with this great phrase, well, I'd better be red than dead. It was your principles, your principles that empowered people like Ronald Reagan to stand in West Germany and utter the words heard across the globe. Mr. President, tear down this wall. Now, I know some of people who don't like America and are not fans of America right now would say, oh, well, all the examples John gave are all wars. You know, America's just a warmonger, right? Wrong. Let us not forget, you are the people who have been unleashed and have unleashed the energy and the individual genius of man that has never been seen before. And look at the inventions and innovation you have created that we just take for granted today. Anesthetic, refrigeration, machine guns, the Model T, the internet, and even the teleprompter. For that reason alone, Barack Obama should love America. No, you are facing major issues right now, but I've got news for you. It is your history. And the history of America will never be one of peace will never be one of easy. It will always be hard because you believe in principles. Let us admit there are two Americas. There's America the landmass, but there's America the idea. And we need to defend both. Because the battle today is both an individual one and a national collective one. And it takes place in each of your hearts and your souls and your mouths and your hearts and your minds. Do you stand for everything that you believe is morally right? Do you stand for the idea and the principles that made America great? Like God, like the Constitution, and giving the individual the dignity, dignity to pursue their own happiness and dreams? Do you act and lead by example to show our future generations these values and principles? That these values and principles change the way the world worked so that they also may have that opportunity for a brighter tomorrow, that they can innovate, that they can create, and that they can pass on to their kids, ensuring the continuation of your idea. Or will you be the first generation? A generation I don't believe will ever happen. But will you be the first generation to lay down your principles, compromise, give up, think it's hard, and succumb to the tyranny that the rest of the world has always experienced and is still experiencing to this day? America does have problems. America, the landmass, does have problems. America, the idea, the dream, is the solution. And it is only over if you give up. I'll be right back, America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. I've got a list of the questions that each state's residents Google more than any other. And this is over a 12-year period. 12 years of metric. Uh, in Pennsylvania, am I gay? <laughs> Skip Lacombe, your thoughts? Yeah, and this is one of those you things to, that if you're questioning, yeah. you have to ask, am I? Uh-huh, you are. You probably are. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I would ask you to share that last monologue with your friends because I would ask you, do you think I'm ready to give up? I'm going to do everything in my power to share stories like that and give you reasons. And try my hardest, I don't know if I can do it or not, but to inspire you, it ain't over. It ain't over until everyone gives up. And I ain't giving up until I'm dead. And that is the truth. I want to spend the rest of this show talking to you about history. Last Sunday was the 12th anniversary of Ronald Reagan's passing. I have some tough questions for you. Because Ronald Reagan is the one president today who still evokes plenty of emotion in both sides of the aisle. Just think back to the primaries. And how many times did people quote him or tell stories about him or said this is what Reagan stood for and that's what I stand for or on the GOP side? How many times did you have people claiming to be the next Reagan? The, there was a debate at the, I think it was either at the Reagan Library or it was near the Reagan Library where I think it was in this, where like Reagan was mentioned nearly every second sentence. Can you remember a time in any debate that candidates mentioned, I don't know, people like Calvin Coolidge, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, even George Washington? I don't. Here's the tough question for you. Has Ronald Reagan become a fancy catchphrase for people to use and politicians to use when they want to be viewed as conservative? When they want to be viewed as someone who's really on your side? Or do people really remember his legacy? And how he helped transform America in eight short years? You know, people like to talk about different parts of Reagan's legacy and what a great president he was. But one thing they seem to forget is that why Reagan was great was because all he did was hold up the values, the principles that made America great and put a mirror on you, the American people. Again, following on from the last segment, 
I kind of want to talk to you about Reagan's legacy in the principled America is an idea and also America the landmass. You know, many people who are my age, I, ca I can't, I wasn't born when Reagan took his oath of office. I can only read the history books. I'm not the person to tell you the story, but I'll tell you the facts and the figures. When Reagan took office, the economy was kind of like today. It was on its back. It was starting to suffer its third recession in 12 years. It had double-digit inflation and interest rates. A stock market rapidly losing its value. High interest rates, high unemployment. Median family income was going down. There was an increase in property. Excuse me. There was an increase in poverty. And gas prices in today's money were roughly 355. There were gas shortages. Overseas, America's role as a superpower and a beacon of freedom was been challenged by the Soviet Union, who sought to, quite simply put, spread the tyranny of communism. And lastly, as we spoke about last segment, he faced an American people that were lost, lacking in hope, and who believed tomorrow would not be a brighter future. Apart from 1861, it was probably one of the worst scenarios you could imagine to become president. So what did Reagan do that changed the course of America? It would be great to share a story right now, you know, of how he was your savior, of how he was the only one who could make America great, how his policy saved the economy, how he was a conquering hero who slayed the villain, and the deadliest and bloodiest and just most gruesome of battles. And how he was a brilliant man with incredible plans and ideas the world had never seen before. It was just remarkable. And this led to America's revival. That would be a great story to tell you right now. But if you want a story like that, go to Hollywood because that's all it is. It's fictional make-believe. Because here's the truth about Reagan. He was never your savior. Your savior is Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian. He didn't introduce policies we'd never seen before. And he certainly did not slay the villain in the deadliest, the most bloodiest of battles. But just because it isn't that great story, it doesn't mean the real story and the real history is any less powerful. In fact, it's more powerful. When he became president, your, his, your government looked a lot different from the one in 1776. You would witness 50 years of progressive government from both sides, from both parties. You no longer believed in the individual, you sought to control the individual. You became a country where career politicians and intellectual elites felt they knew what was best for you and helped form government agencies that we all love. You know, the Departments of Education, the Departments of Energy, the, the HUD. You know, all those great departments who just run efficiently. And that they're all with the same aim, to make you dependent on government. 
Reagan was different. He said, no, 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 no. I have a set of core beliefs, and they are so similar to the founding fathers. He believed government should be limited. He believed man should be free to pursue his or her own own dreams and ambitions. And that real freedom, and I mean real freedom, would overcome any enemy. So what did Reagan do? What policies did he do? Well, at home, if you were to put it up into one single term or one sentence, simply put, he believed in his heart in each and every one of you, the American people. Because he knew the secret to America was to release you from the chains of government and for you to become an individual and an independent person once again. He worked and created policies to create an environment that helped unleash you, your energy, your genius, so that you could once again innovate and have a prosperous future. He believed that no American needs government to help them get an advantage. They just need government to get out of the way and ensure a level playing field. So how did he do this? It was Reaganomics. Well, the first way he did this was to reduce the tax burden on every American. You see, he, like the founding fathers and like many of the traditional right, had this crazy notion that every American keeping more of their paycheck helped the economy. It helped because it incentivized hard work and innovation. Because if you can make more money, you're going to do more. It also allowed you to control more of your future. Because if you had more money, you could do what you wish. You could have a bit more spending power. You know, if you wanted to buy, I don't know, a computer or a holiday or go to Disney World. Or it allowed you to save. If you wanted to create a family and save for a house, save for your wedding. It gave you more control of your future, of what you wanted to do. During his presidency, he reduced taxes several times. And by 1986, there were two tax rates, 28 and 15%, down from the highs of 70% when he took office. But it didn't stop there. He also sought to reduce the size of government. He cut spending. He deregulated parts of the economy. He eliminated price controls on oil and gas, which led to a boom. Some call this Reaganomics, others just call it freedom and returning to your founding principles. However, for many of much of the world, Reagan will be known for his foreign policy and dealing with the Soviet Union where he carried a big stick. He believed in each of you. There's a myth out there that says Reagan won the Cold War. That's partially true, but it doesn't tell the whole story. You see, he fought with Margaret Thatcher and Pope John Paul to overcome the spread of communism, to overcome the voices within America who spoke out in support of detente, and who felt the only way you'd stop the Soviet Union was to appease them and embrace a style of democratic socialism. Reagan was different because he had that core inner belief 
in principles and in each of one of you. He did not embrace tyranny. He did not embrace appeasement. And he sure as hell didn't embrace the belief that we must accept failure or the fear of fighting for freedom. One of the things he often said during this time was, we will negotiate for peace, sacrifice for peace, but we will never surrender first. So what won the Cold War? You know, because America is a warmonger. It must have been some great big battle, right? No. Reagan was a straight talker who would speak the truth about any scenario, which I'm sure made several bureaucrats and generals nervous. There's that famous story, the famous story that never was. You know that line that everyone knows that we spoke about in the last segment? Mr. President, tear down this wall. Well, that line was nearly cut from his speech. In fact, it was cut several times from his speech because his generals felt it would have a negative impact. It would provoke the Soviet Union. But he believed to his very core in the belief of freedom and included in his speech anyway. But how did he win the Cold War? Well, he spoke about you. You see, he believed in each and every one of you. He believed that if you were free, you would innovate, you would create. And the biggest part of how he won the Cold War, in my opinion, was through his, what people would call, rhetoric. He convinced the Soviet Union and Gorbachev, you can never out-innovate the American people. You will never create more than the American people. You will never be able to compete with the American economy. We saw this, you know, we love to mock it now, but with his famous Star Wars program, where he just kept saying, send them missiles up, those ballistic nuclear weapons, keep sending them up. Our economy is stronger than theirs. But you see also, here's the hidden gem. While they were just creating weapons of mass destruction, you were creating and innovating ways to defend against weapons of mass destruction. He knew that you, the American people, would do it. He just was the great orator, the great communicator who spoke regularly and compared freedom and tyranny offered by the Soviets. He always offered a message of hope and that message that tomorrow could be a brighter day. He believed in each one of every one of you. So what is his legacy? What is his real legacy? Reagan? Domestically, helped free you. He helped policies to help the economy grow, not by government getting in the way or some great government program, but by getting government out of the way and letting you keep your own money. What are the results? Unemployment dropped, inflation dropped, interest rates were back to normal. And during his eight-year period in office, the economy grew by $2.5 trillion. Again, let me put that number into context for you. 
during his eight years, the America, you, the American people, innovated and added the combined economies of Germany and France in 1989 to your economy. This is the part that annoys progressives the most. That cutting government taxes, getting government out of the way, and letting you innovate, actually led to record government revenues under his presidency. Overseas, his legacy will be hard, quite honestly, for anyone to match, because millions, in part, owe their freedoms to Reagan, Thatcher, and Pope John Paul. He always promoted freedom. And you want to know how he empowered the individual? Go look if you've never looked on YouTube a video of them tearing down the Cold War. That power, that innovation, that breaking the bonds to government helped people and inspired them to choose freedom. And they tore down that wall with hammers, with axes, with chisels, and even pocket knives. Lastly, if you are lucky enough to ever visit his library in California, you will notice a concrete slab near his entrance. And it sums up Ronald Reagan to a T. It is a piece of the Berlin Wall. Reagan once said of this slab, it is a message to our children and our grandchildren, and that should they reflect on what it meant in history, let them understand that only vigilance and strength will deter tyranny. And these are two attributes Reagan had in abundance. Reagan was a great president because he believed in each and every one of you. That is your history. That is the idea of America. You want to win? Return to the principles of Reagan or any of your founding principles where you believe in your fellow man. Because a person who is free following their dreams will always outproduce, outinnovate, outcreate someone who's doing it for some state government where in the truth they are treated like a second class citizen. A free man or a free woman will always produce more. Reagan knew this, and that is what in large part led to the Cold War being won without a shot been fired. I'll be right back, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. I'm just thinking out loud here. It could could be one of the reasons. Um, it's been a very bad couple of days for Bernie. The question we have here, uh, perhaps you share with me, is does anyone feel the burn? Because if you feel the burn right now, you probably need a penicillin shot. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. 
I don't know. I hope you found some meaning and inspiration from this show or found some emotions. I know I have. It's kind of warm me out, actually. And then I get to the hard part of this show. I want to finish today's show by I want to finish this day, this show today by remembering the greatest generation. Last Monday marked the seventh, 72nd anniversary of D-Day. On that morning, June 6th, there was a, co a coordinated assault that was launched on the beaches of Normandy, France, and it involved more than 160,000 Allied fighters. It was the success on this day that many think was critical for a win over Nazi Germany. Each and every show I ended the same way by saluting who I think are the real heroes of society. And if I can get through this, I want to tell you why I do that. I am extremely blessed to... Excuse me. I'm extremely blessed to have many friends in the US military, past and present. I am extremely blessed to have met countless people who have served. And the reason I salute them is because quite open one. It the it, it might it's the worst reason the first one is is because of the hate they receive today. I want to do my part in telling them one thing. You are not alone. Your sacrifice, the countless sacrifices you make, are appreciated, are noticed. But secondly, because, and this is the most important reason, It's because they inspire me. The fact you have, let's just focus on the military because we're talking about D-Day, but it's the same for police, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Because today we're talking about D-Day, let's just focus in on the vets. The fact you can have an 18 or a 19-year-old boy or girl Sign up for their country. Knowing they could be deployed at any moment. Standing 
for each and every one of you. Standing for freedom. And even standing for people who hate them. Protecting those who, if they were in their uniform and passed them on the street, they might get a vulgar slang thrown at them, might be spit on, or just in the media might be destroyed. Because we all know the vets are warmongers, right? The reason I salute them is because to a man, I have yet to meet a vet or anyone who serves who said, I did my bit, time for someone else. To a man, everyone feels, I wish I could do more. And to a man, there's that brotherhood that I, I quite honestly long for at times. When you're in the battlefield or in your squadron or in your patrol, all the petty stuff that we argue and bicker about every day means absolutely nothing. You don't care what race you are. You don't care what age you are. You don't care what your education level is. You don't care who you voted for in the last election. You just stand there and you look to the left and you look to the right and you say, I trust you with my life. Please trust me with yours. And together we will get through it. In times where people want to say, a real hero is someone who holds a push or throws some fancy touchdown. Or in a time where we spend countless hours remembering Muhammad Ali. I'm sure he was a great guy. I'm sure he touched many people's hearts. But in a time where we mourn a sports star, the greatest boxer for days, and yet, we don't even recognize. Sorry. Those real heroes who fight for our freedoms. Or we don't recognize, or if we do, it's a simple. Today is the 72nd anniversary of D-Day. Great. We don't recognize the greatest generation. And the hell they overcame. Because without them, I wouldn't do what I do. Without them, I'd probably be speaking German. I'm sorry for the long pause. I'm, I'm trying to get through this as much as I can. All you heroes inspire me. 
because when times get tougher, I go through days where I'm insulted from pillar to post. I think of the sacrifice you made and go, I can't even compare a fraction of what you go to what I go through. It's nothing compared to what you do. And it's nothing compared to the sacrifice of your families and your friends and the communities that you come from. So from this crazy Irishman, please know you're never forgotten. And you're always appreciated. And I salute you, all those who serve, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And today, a special salute to the greatest generation, to the generation who overcame real evil, a vile evil in Nazism. And I salute you, the great American people. Remember what I said earlier on. It ain't over until each and every one of you give up. And as long as you keep fighting, there is always hope. Until next week, America, God bless. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.